And this morning I'm reading from the ESV translation. So from verse 3 it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit predicted, the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Well, um, here we are in, uh, in a sense, in the middle of a month of joy and on uh, the last couple of Monday mornings, I've been uh, sharing on uh, Facebook Live a couple of sort of practical things we can do to sort of unlock some of that joy. And uh, today I want to sort of really, um, I think, give a, a bit of a foundation as to how do we connect with this joy and access it. So that's what we're aiming for um, today. Um, let me just pray and then we'll get into it. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is alive, it's living and active. It has the power to divide flesh from spirit and bone from marrow. And today, uh, may it cut through the lies so that we can access the truth of who you are and who we are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage that we had uh, read to us by Paddy today, 1 Peter 1 verses 3 to 12, um, in some ways it's more about hope, you know, in terms of the way it's set out, but it does speak about joy. But what it really does is it gives us the foundation for this joy. It starts, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a joyful way to start that section of the scriptures. Now, you know, in um, the original language, so this is uh, written in Greek, 
There is no punctuation between verses 3 and 12. It is one sentence. And Bible translators have had a bit of a field day with this section because they've had to work out how to punctuate it so it makes sense in our day and age and, of course, in our language. Um, So if you can imagine this being probably one of the longest sentences ever, um, and they've had to decode it, I think they've done a fantastic job. But uh, I just want to home in on a a couple of uh, sections for us. So um, if we uh, go... First of all, uh, let's go to verse 3, where it says, I don't mean verse 3, funny that, I've written it in the wrong place. I do mean verse 3, sorry. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So first of all, he's caused us to be born again. Uh, We know that that is about new life in the kingdom that he has released and given to us. Uh, But born again into a living hope. Hope is not something I shared about this um, on our our last Sunday that we were able to meet together. um, All about hope. uh, But hope is a living thing. It's not just something that, you know, we, we sort of have over here and access when we need it, it's a living thing within us. And I shared a few weeks ago that it's uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit and, uh, you know, a a bit about that. And actually that provides a significant foundation for what I'm going to share today. So, born again into a living hope. Then, moving forward, what are we born into uh, with this living hope? Verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Well, what does that mean? The inheritance is everything that the Father is giving to us. Some of that we've received already. But the fullness of that will be received uh, once Jesus comes again, which this passage points to. But here's the thing. That inheritance, which is so incredible, ultimately being the salvation of our souls, that inheritance, firstly, is imperishable. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means it cannot be diminished. It's imperishable. It's always there. It can't be diminished. It can't be taken away. It's imperishable. That's the first thing. The second thing is it's undefiled. Well, what does that mean? Well, sometimes I think we worry that we can almost eliminate our salvation through bad choices that we make or through patterns of sin or whatever it is. Our salvation, our inheritance is undefiled. It's been won by what Jesus has done. And there's nothing that we can do to defile that salvation or that inheritance. That is an incredible basis for joy. We can't defile it. There's nothing we can do that can make it worse. And we might struggle with that. But if we struggle with that, we're undermining what Jesus did on that cross. He paid for everything and rendered all the powers of darkness void. You know, it's undefiled. 
What else is it? It's unfading. Do you ever experience the sense of like a fadingness to our, the, the sense of salvation, the sense of hope we have in Jesus? Sometimes I think we probably experience, oh, I don't feel as bright as I used to. But you know what? The inheritance is unfading. The light of our inheritance does not fade. And I just think these three words are so awesome when we think about our salvation, when we think about everything that Jesus has won for us. Imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. If it's kept in heaven, how can anything take it away? It's inaccessible to all that the enemy can throw at us because it's kept in heaven where he has no access. How awesome is that? This is moving somewhere, so stay with me. Then, verse 5, being guarded, uh, us who by, by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation. We are being guarded, so this, you know, this sort of faith in the inheritance that has been won for us, it's being guarded, you know, and uh, it's the faith that we have that guards it, but there's more than that in this, that sense of being guarded by God himself, because where is this thing being kept for us in heaven? It's being guarded, protected from the plans and the assignments of the enemy. Our hope and our salvation is secured, okay? And then that being guarded through faith, it goes on to say, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So in the fullness of time, the fullness of that salvation will be revealed in a way far beyond anything we can hope, ask, or imagine. You know, this is the basis from where our joy is set. Okay, I talked a few weeks ago about hope and saying that um, hope is the joyful anticipation that good is coming, rooted in the reality of the goodness of God. And here we see the, a bigger basis for it, that this hope or, or this salvation, the inheritance has been guarded for us. It's been kept in heaven for us. Verse 6. In this you rejoice. In this you rejoice. What does rejoice mean? Very simply, it means to feel or to show great joy. Rejoice means to feel or to show great joy. What do we rejoice in? We rejoice in that piece that I've just said from verses 3 uh, up to verse 5 where... Uh, uh, where Peter is outlining the basis for our hope and our joy, essentially. And it's that that we rejoice in. That, that this salvation, this inheritance, cannot be defiled, cannot be uh, diminished um, or uh, faded and all of that stuff. So it's a sure foundation. And so we rejoice in this. 
Now, this is where it comes into, I think, our experience in the world right now, today. Because um, Peter goes on to say, though you have been grieved by trials. Now, I think, you know, for a lot of us, the time that we're in is a trial. And it could be for different reasons. I don't think most of us really, pardon me, really celebrate the fact that we are having to be physically distanced. Paddy told us in the earlier that it's not so much that we're socially distanced, but we are physically. And that can be painful in all sorts of ways. Uh, You know, there is such strength in the people of God being together in the same space, celebrating together. And so there is some sense where we are in a trial. When we're in church, we can't at the moment, you know, when we are allowed to be in church, belt out our praise and our worship. And that has significance with joy, as I'll come to in a second. But this, we are going through a trial, and I think we can draw uh, encouragement from this passage because of it. And then it says in in, uh, verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found, okay? So when we go through trial, uh, and I'm not saying God sends that trial. Some people believe that. That's not quite where I'm at. But I do believe that he uses it. And so when we experience trial, there is a test on us. How are we going to respond to this trial that's in front of me? Now we know from Romans chapter 5, where Paul talks about um, we rejoice in our sufferings. Uh, Romans 5, verses, uh, is it 3 and uh, 3 beyond. We, not only so, but we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. There is something about the trial when we respond in the right way that strengthens our inner being. And it strengthens our resolve. And... So we, there is something here in this time that the, the genuineness of our faith can be tested and, I hope, found to be resulting in, verse 7 here, praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? We can interpret this in a number of ways, but today I want to say that Um, the genuineness of our faith when it's tested my uh, encouragement to us is that it results in those three things praise, glory and honour well what's praise? praise is the, the expression of our heart just to give praise to his name for everything that he's done and that that is not diminished by the fact that we are experiencing trial. That's what the the genuineness of our faith will point to. No matter what we are going through, praise will stay active in our lives. Glory, that's the manifest presence of God. So, the manifest presence of God is so important because in his presence, uh, which Psalm tells us, it's Psalm 16 verse 11, In his presence is fullness of joy. So his manifest presence is extraordinarily important. And that's basically what glory means. The manifest 
presence of God. And then we've got honour. I'm not going to go into that because I want to move on to a few other things. But that thing about the trial that perhaps we're experiencing right now doesn't lead us to a bad place. It doesn't... um, Uh, Going back to those three words earlier, it doesn't cause um, anything to perish in our salvation or our inheritance. It doesn't cause anything to be undefiled in our inheritance. And it doesn't cause anything to be unfaded because those things are secured. But we need to get our belief system aligned with that truth. So here's um, something that I want to say. Our current present reality is the result of our belief system. I said something about this a few weeks ago, last time we met in person. But our current present reality, whatever we are feeling in our spirit, in our soul, is the result of our belief system. Now, I know there are some question marks over this. So there are things like... Uh, you know, uh, medically, um, uh, I don't know how to explain it, uh, you know, depression, for example, which is, um, you know, induced by uh, hormone deficiencies and that kind of thing. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going into that here. Don't feel if that's something you're going through that I'm going after you and, and ignoring that. No, there are, you know, people experience this terrible stuff and we need to be there to support and uphold. But for those of us that aren't in that space, um, this is really important. That our belief system is what leads to how we think about life, how we behave. And, and what we are sort of feeling and experiencing. So our current present reality is the result of our belief system. So we need to get it aligned. What is joy? Joy is an attitude of pleasure and well-being. It's closely related to gladness. But it's a state of being rather than an emotion. And I think one of the big things we need to understand about joy is that it's a choice. Henry Nouwen, many of you will have read some of his writings. Henry Nouwen said this, Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. Joy does not simply happen to us. It's something that we have to choose. And um, here's... I think, where the rubber really hits the road for us. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. I I mentioned this in one of the Monday uh, Facebook things. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We all know that. Now, sometimes we might say, I'm not uh, that person that, you know, uh, joyful, in every situation I go into. Well, uh, that's okay. But if we say that joy is not part of my personality, we are lying to ourselves. Because it's a fruit of the Spirit. And actually, we all have it. And it basically works like this. You know when you have small embers in a fire, and um, you know, or you're trying to start a a fire, and it starts with a small flame, and there's all sorts of ways you can do it. But one of the ways is that we might get, you know, these um, uh, bellows and just 
pump them and that kind of blow, blows air onto the fire, doesn't it? And the oxygen within that causes it into, to come into flame and, and become a greater fire. And I think joy is a bit like that. You know, if you can imagine it as a little flame in, in, internally, but there are things that we can do that act like bellows and bring the oxygen of his presence that releases that joy and makes it bigger and, and kind of, you know, causes it to catch and to burn. Here's um, a couple of thoughts on that. Actually, before I get to those thoughts, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, a verse that many of us will know. We often say it, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What's going on there? Nehemiah, you'll know, they rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, chapter 6 and 7. And then in chapter 8, Ezra and Nehemiah are reading out the law, you know, the 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 Pentateuch, effectively, uh, probably Deuteronomy. They're reading it out, and the people get sad because they see the stories of what God has been doing in their lives, and suddenly they're just, they're grieved. And uh, Ezra says to them, do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that joy, he's talking about it acting a bit like a fortress around us in, in the original language. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It gives you everything you need to get into the next phase of what God is doing. Okay, quick one there. Proverbs 17, verse 22. A joyful heart is good medicine. Um, I said more about that last Monday, uh, sharing on Facebook Live about laughter and how important laughter is in the pursuit of joy. If you haven't heard it, uh, go go on and, and, and check the link from uh, last Monday, uh, the 16th of November, where I shared about laughter. But very quickly to say that laughter, there's been a lot of research on laughter and what it releases in our lives. Do you know that laughter reduces stress? That those who laugh are far less likely to suffer a heart attack? There's so much research that's going into this, and I say more about that on Monday, so have, have a listen to that. But a joyful heart is a good medicine. So joy itself can protect us from sickness and from all sorts of uh, bad stuff. Um, laughter uh, suppresses the, uh, the hormones of you know, sadness, cortisol, and the other one that, which I can't pronounce, but it suppresses them. And it releases the stuff that brings joy. So let's laugh more. Really, um, really important. And I'll give you some tips on Facebook about that. I mentioned it already. Psalm 16 verse 11. In his presence is fullness of joy. Do you know, for me, and I've struggled this week. Now I set a challenge um, a, a couple of weeks ago. I set a challenge to have a negativity fast, a positivity feast. And the week I set that challenge was such a difficult week for me to embrace it. I don't know how it's been for you. Um, But one of the things I find that leads me back to joy is getting in his presence and worshipping. And I love this. uh, It was awesome this morning when the team were leading us. Um, Last night I was listening to some um, YouTube videos of the song Every Praise. And um, it's by a guy called Hezekiah Walker, who's a sort of gospel worship leader. And... um, 
Uh, there are all these people who've done flash mobs using that song, and I was just watching them because it's interesting to see the joy that's released when it happens. Why? Well, the God, God, Psalm 149, God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we give praise to his name, he comes and the tangible sense of his presence increases. And in his presence is fullness of joy. So to access joy, we need to remember, especially if we're not feeling it in the moment. Let's get into a place of praise and joy. Put on that gospel worship. Tune into some of our services that have been pre-recorded with the worship team. Whatever it is, but get there. You know, use the songs that lift you. Those songs that just take you to that place of abandonment. Because then the joy increases. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. Romans 14 verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to say much more about that, but just to emphasize that the importance of joy in the kingdom. Okay, Paul there is referencing joy as being a hugely significant part of the kingdom of God. Psalm 126. I'm just going to turn there. Give me a moment. Psalm 126 is a short psalm that says this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Now we don't know what those fortunes are. There's a few ideas but nobody really knows. But it's a point that was good in the history of the people of God. When the Lord restored the the fortunes of Zion. We were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, that's not the people of God, among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And then uh, the psalmist says, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad or we are filled with joy. And then he goes on to say this, restore our fortunes, O Lord, because they they're not there right now. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Those who sow in tears will reap with what? Shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing the sheaths with him. What's this about? It's about very simply recognizing what he has done. And I believe this is the ultimate key to releasing joy. Um, Some of you will have heard of Brenna Brown, or Brené Brown, who's written a number of books um, around um, resilience and that kind of thing. Um, She's an amazing um, minister of the gospel, really. But she, um, she said this, about she said the number one indicator of joy um, so that we know if we're operating out of joy the number one indicator of joy is the practice of gratitude and you know it's so easy to lose sight of that and I'm basically bringing us home with this so gratitude or recognizing what God has done is perhaps the single greatest releaser of joy because it reminds us of what he's done 
A bit like praise does. Praise is focused on what the Lord has done. And it reminds us of what he's done. It increases the sense of the tangible sense of his presence. And then the joy of the Lord is released. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. We have to have an attitude of gratitude. And that means that whatever circumstances we are facing, we are thankful for the things that he is doing. Our focus is on what he is doing, not on what he isn't doing, or what we perceive he isn't doing. So that's the big message for us. The practice of gratitude. Let's be a people who give thanks for all that he is doing every step of the way. Because that is the significant piece. And then um, I wanted to close with this verse back from uh, 1 Peter. This is verse 8. Though you do not now see him, Peter is writing here to the Gentiles, and this is after, of course, Jesus has uh, died and rose again. So he says to them, Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. What's that based on? It's based on gratitude on the foundations of what Peter has said in verses 3 to 5. And so when we recognize the inheritance we have, nothing can steal it, nothing can take it away, that our salvation is fully secured and we thank God and give praise to his name for the acts that he has done that has brought us into that space. When we are in that space, uh, we believe in him and we rejoice with joy uh, that is inexpressible because it wells up within us and we can't stop it. And when that joy wells up, it will come out in how we behave. Please don't be one of those people who says that, oh, joy is a, a, a state of being and I have it. And then walk around depressed. Because that is not the kingdom of God. It is not. We are called to be a joyful people. And just like love looks like something, love looks like choosing to love the brother in front of me or the sister in front of me. Joy looks like choosing to access and release joy to those around me. I know we struggle with it and we need to help each other in this. And I've had a tough week trying to embrace joy. But I give thanks because I know that that joy is there. And I get into his presence and I find it again. Anyway, I've got to stop. Let's pray. Thanks, Luke. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your joy is set within us. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And as soon as you come to live within us, the joy of the Lord uh, is lit up within us. And uh, while there may be times where we struggle to access it, I pray for each one of us that we'd be able to grow in accessing it through uh, praise, through gratitude and thanksgiving, through recognizing the importance of laughter, through recognizing the prophetic words that you've done in our lives, as I shared uh, a few weeks ago uh, on Facebook as well. Lord, may these practices 
calls us to be a people that look like joy. Joy looks like something. And you call us to be the most joyful people on the planet. And may we take that call seriously. So Holy Spirit, release your joy wherever we are right now. Increase our joy as we seek to go through this time and this weird season that we're in. But as we head towards the celebration of the arrival of the Messiah on the earth at Christmas, may the joy that we experience be more than we've ever known. And I ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I bless you. Shall I close it? I bless you guys to walk from here filled with the joy of the Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit fill you with an imperishable, unfading, undefiled joy that nothing can take away. And may you go from here and release that to the world around you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. See you next week. Bless you guys.